Hello and welcome to the Graphics Profiles, the official podcast of Graphics Pro and Graphics Pro Expo, covering the graphics market online, in print, and in person. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Our guest for episode 54 is, once again, John Tarn, president of Extreme Marketing in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. This time we dig into pricing, using data to find efficiencies to keep costs down, selling on value, and more. But, but real quick, and before we get into the uh, second part of our conversation with John, I, I want to take a moment to let you all know about Graphics Pro Expo. Uh, it's dedicated to the awards and personalization, apparel decorating, and sign and printing markets, and they're all under one roof. So be sure to catch one of these value-packed events in Portland, Oregon, July 19th through 20th, Long Beach, California, featuring RapsCon, August 18th through 19th, and Baltimore, September 13th through 14th. Go to g-p-x.com to get the full scoop, and we'll see you there. Okay, so let's get into it with John Tarn, president of Extreme Marketing. Uh, John, in our our last conversation, uh, one of the things that we we were talking about was margin, and you know, you said that uh, pricing for value as opposed to pricing by some formula or some cost, and possibly getting lower margins, and and doing it based on price was the wrong approach, but doing it based on value is the correct approach. So, is there a formula that you have for pricing, or is there a philosophy that you have when it comes to pricing your various products? Yes, there is. We want to maximize our value and we want to make it so simple for our client to say yes, based on the massive amounts of value that we add. And I will give everybody a, a suggestion. There's a, a fellow named Alex Ramosi and he does, uh, he has a book called hundred million offers, hundred million dollar offers, hundred million dollar offers. And again, his name is um, Alex. Alex is- Ramosi. Okay. And uh, in that he talks about making offers so good people feel stupid saying no. And that's just a way of saying, you know, that the value exceeds what people think the, the value of their dollars worth. Okay. Because that's the thing to get an exchange going. They have to perceive the value of your goods more valuable than that dollar that's in their hand. And to do that, you can stack, you can bundle and just make it. So their success is easy in whatever they're doing and, and making that decision to go with you. And one of the things we talk about, with our clients is that a lot of times they'll come in, we have a minimum and they're going to come in and they're a business because we're mainly business to business. Right. And uh, that's where we want to be. But uh, they'll come in and they'll say, Hey, I want five four plus signs. And our sales team is trained to talk to them because we care about their success and you cannot succeed putting five four plus signs out. Right. You got you got to have a massive amount of effort to be seen to market your products. So we'll suggest more like 250 to 500. Okay. Um, and the reason is, is you want to go out there and you want to completely saturate the market. Everybody underestimates what it takes to be seen because really nobody sees you. Yeah. And so we always go under the assumption that even with our social is that nobody saw it. So we have a belief that you cannot over market. And a lot of people feel like, well, I'm going to get annoying. I'm putting too much out there, but that's not true. I mean, there's 8 billion people out there. You cannot possibly over market. Yeah. That's a belief that you got to break. So with that, you got to add the value. And the value of that is helping our clients 
do a purchase that's going to make a difference in their life. Five core plus signs will not make a difference in their business. Right. But if they invest, and that's what it is, it's an investment. If they invest for 250 of them, now they're doing something. Now they're going to get out there and people are going to start talking. Now we've helped them out. Yeah, right. And we've made their success more likely. It's commitment. And I have this philosophy that uh, if the commitment's not big enough, you're not going to do it. So that makes total sense to me. Um, and when it comes to pricing out an individual product, you know, let's say it is 250 coroplast signs. How do you price out that that individual product to make sure that it's uh, reaching your margin goals? Oh, for us? Yeah, yeah. Whether it's that yeah. or, a, or a vehicle wrap or a fabbed um, event trailer, whatever it might be. How, how do you, is there, a, is there a formula for that or is there an approach to that? Yeah, so basically we're going to use job costing. For all that, we're going to look at the data first because every business is different. Yeah. And that's the other thing people sink into is uh, there, there's standard ways to do things, but in the end, your business is different and you got to look at your data to really get uh, good at this. So you start looking for trends. You're going to look at your one. I would definitely go to my uh, P&L statement, profit and loss. Mm-hmm. And if you're using QuickBooks, you can go right in there and you can do it by percentage of revenue. Yeah. You look at base little spreadsheet there. It's going to show you all your percentages. Now you can start making some educated decisions. So if your labor is high, which trust me, we were like that coming out of COVID, a labor was super high and we knew yeah. we had an efficiency problem. So then you have a choice. Okay. How do you get that down? Well, you either let people go, see if people want to go, or you work on your efficiencies. We chose to work on our efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to speed up things and then you have to use materials better. You have to create flows for your team so that they can get more done with less effort. That way we can get more through more flows through our shops, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you got to start looking at the data first. Okay. And every bit of that matters. So once we can create a super efficient process going through our shop, now that's going to start creating our margins. Yeah, so what, what were some of the specific things uh, you did, if you can recall, um, that led to those efficiencies? Okay, well, I'll start at the, the basic level. So let's say we're building a specialized um, wall. Yeah. And it's an aluminum wall. And I'm welding that wall. And it's taken me X amount of time to weld that wall. And then it's taken me X amount of time to clean the welds clean all that so it looks good and you can paint it, powder coat it. Yep. It's taken X amount of time to just put it together. Yep. So what we did is we looked at it and said, okay, what's the thing that's causing the most time? And what was causing the most time was the cleaning, grinding, cleaning of welts. So, okay, if we can reduce that or eliminate that, that's going to be a big Saving. So what we ended up with doing is going to a bolt system, not even a bolt system, a rivet system. Okay. So riveting. So now we can actually have all of that CNC'd ahead of time, all the holes, all of that. So then it's more of just an assembly. So we're taking out the expertise required for that wall. Yeah. So that somebody doesn't have to have that expertise can put it together. Mm-hmm. And be doing that while the people with the high expertise of welding can be welding something else that's more uh, cost effective. Okay. So now we've gotten to where, okay, now we're riveting. Bam. 
Now we don't have to clean. So we just save all this time. And so we started looking at every process and every piece of it. So let's say it's somebody that's got a laser. That way I get out of the fab piece. Let's say it's a, a laser. And uh, they're a small company and they're lasering all of these uh, tumblers. And let's say they got a rotary adapter and they can only do one at a time. Yeah. Well, now you start looking at that. Well, can I stack those end to end in my rotary device and maybe do three at a time? Mm -hmm. That way I can reduce the amount of time it's taken to do that whole process. Or maybe I need to make a jig. So I make a jig that sits in the bottom of my laser and I can laser out 20 to 30 at a time. Right. And on a small shop, I can get that laser going and I can be doing something else. So that's going to reduce my, my time on that. I can go spend it somewhere else where I can add more value. So it's, it's really looking at every piece of data and then your margins on your materials, same thing. Are you including everything? So are you having to go get the plastics, the wood, all of that? How is that factoring in? Can you reduce that? Can you get, um, terms with your suppliers 30-day terms to help with your cash flow you know it's just looking at the holistic piece of that uh what materials can you use that would be better suited so let's say it's indoor use does it need to be laminated Mm -hmm. it's simple questions like that right yeah and the lamination standpoint it depends on whether or not it's in a touching zone if you will right Mm -hmm. yeah yep so I guess you have so many factors that go into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's can I order bulk materials? I mean, it's it's talking with your suppliers. What can we do here? Yeah. So if you're working on your pricing, you got to work from every angle. You got to look at your labor costs, and with that labor cost, if you're inefficient with me moving material from one place to another, you're always looking for stuff, and it's disorganized. Well, that's going to cost you money. Yeah. Put that into your overhead Um, materials. So let's say it's something that's got to be lightweight. So now you have choices on what materials you use. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just go to steel, you know, or so you got to, you got to price to what the project is, I guess, the scope of the project. Okay. And what we do with our stuff is since we do events, we save our clients money. So we actually supply brand ambassadors to every event that we do. We are a full 100% logistics um, company. Okay. During COVID, we pivoted to expedited shipping to help save our butts, and we started expediting. But that piece of the pie, we actually deliver all our trade show units. We don't have some other trucking company do it. We deliver it, and then we supply a brand ambassador, person to run the event, and because of that, we build all of our stuff to save our customer money. So the fewer people I have to send to set up or do a, a display, the better. Right. So we always engineer it so that it can be a one or two person setup okay. to save yeah. money. And we're also going to save money because we're actually bringing the stuff. Right. And time, obviously. And yeah. time yep. is money. <laughs> yep. Time, frustration, yeah. all of that. Yeah. I, you know, I also wanted to, well, one of the aspects is uh, waste. You know, there's often material waste when you're doing vehicle wraps. For example, when y'all are wrapping 
um, one of these trailers um, or, you know, you're using anything that that requires um, materials that are just by their very nature going to have some waste involved. Is there are, are there ways that you're handling waste? Well, number one, we, we look to gang everything up as much as possible. Uh-huh. So rather than sending a print just to the machine, hey, this got to be printed. We yeah. will gang gang them. And that responsibility lies on our our graphics team. Yep. We've got a full graphics team in-house. So what they'll do is, let's say they're working on several projects, they will gang those together, get them print ready as a unit to save on materials, and then send it to the, the printer where then our machine operator handles getting it printed and everything. Right. So looking for ways to, and even like CNC, is what else can we put on a job Yeah. to maximize that? So, And this is something we just uh, found out the other day. Is so we are seeing seeing these rectangular pieces that have notches in them, and uh, our fab one of our fab team members said, "Hey, you know, there's another piece that I'm needing cut out every time. Can we fit that into those notches? Where those notches that would be waste in between there? Yeah. So like, yeah, we can do that. So then we started putting those into the notch so that we maximized our material and time because it got all done at one time on the CNC. Okay, so ganging, nesting, as they call it. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I kind of want to change gears a little bit here and, and talk about uh, customer relations and working with customers. And, you know, branding, We you have a brand ambassador. You're, you, branding is obviously very important for your customers, but obviously from your standpoint. And well, how do you approach branding with your customers and then translate it to, you know, whether it's the sign program, an event um, graphics program? How do you work that relationship with them and ensure that your customers are staying on brand and they're getting the word out properly? Well, that has to do with coming in as the expert. So when we're coming in, we are the expert on branding. And, you know, with the name of our company, Extreme Marketing, uh, they're, they're looking to us to be an expert. So we've proven it time and time again with our branding that we are experts in the field. So that is what I'll call a, a marketing qualified lead, MQL. Okay. So they're already qualified through our marketing. And that's uh, the job of our uh, marketing manager to make sure that we're getting MQLs and people come in the door. So they're already qualified. Okay. And uh, as far as the events, we become an extension of our client when we're out there. Mm-hmm. So we're representing them. So we're going to get educated on whatever product they're selling, whatever they're doing. We're going to come in there and we're going to represent them and we're going to stand right beside them. It's you can't tell that we're extreme marketing versus Pepsi co or Frito-Lay or somebody else. Yeah. Um, and that goes through our team and understanding that branding is everything marketing and branding. Uh, and what we'll do is we'll say, okay, well, what does a $150 million company, look like how do they treat people how do they move how do they dress so we always because we have our mission vision values we're always going back to those as our stake in the ground you know what's this look you know how would this happening in 10 years we're 150 million dollar company so it gives us something to kind of measure against and it's done all the way through from every day here. So it starts with that morning meeting. 
So it's continuous um, going over mission, vision, values. Okay. And then how that translates to the various areas of the company and the various projects you're working on. So it's almost like you're taking the macro and bringing it to a micro. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Okay. yes. And then we understand that uh, we're there to help our customers succeed. So if we're always looking at from their success rather than our success, it's we're mm-hmm. not the hero in the story. They don't care about what we have. They care about their problem. And that's what we're there to solve. So we take ourselves out of it, the ego out, and we take care of and solve their problems. That's the the meat and potatoes of it. Right. So we, we make sure they're the hero. It's their success that matters. And then, you know, everything else for us is, you know, that will happen. Yeah. By doing the right things. So I mean, there's times where we told clients, you know, maybe not to work with us because that's as important as anything as the ones that work with you. Sometimes there's certain clients that um, they're not going to get the benefit or they're not committed enough to their own success. So it's not going to help them. Yeah. Right. And we'll, we'll, we will actually communicate that to them. Okay. So you kind of eliminate the problems before they happen because you can see them coming down the pike because they just don't have the commitment to their own brand or their own goals necessarily. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about last time was the fact that you pivoted during COVID and you brought in manufacturing, CNC, lasering, et cetera, et cetera. But you also added embroidery. Um, you do apparel. You do, mm-hmm. again, just about everything. And how do you make those decisions about why did you bring on embroidery and apparel? And, you know, why have you brought on certain production services that maybe you didn't have before? And how do you make that decision um, as far as, you know, investing in capital equipment, all the things that need to go along with adding a new product line. What does that decision making look like for you? It's usually a problem that we've encountered Mm -hmm. and speed. So let's say I don't ever like to be where I've got a client that I'm doing something for. And let's say I'm a middleman and let's say I'm getting my stuff from somebody else. Yeah. And whoever I'm getting that from isn't fast enough. It's a control thing. I want to control the process. Right. Then we have variables that we can adjust and control. If, if someone else is doing it for me, I can't get it fast enough. Or if I see there's a problem, I've, I've got to rely on them to solve the problem. And then I've got to then go tell my customer. And we like to be able to control our processes all right. the way through from beginning to end. Yeah. Because we can tw- tweak them and increase profitability that way. Uh, some of the stuff is because I saw the need for like our trade show displays, mm-hmm. you know, being able to cut acrylics and make, I love the way lighting affects a display or affects the look of a room. Yeah. So, and I knew that acrylics are an important part of that and sign making and everything else. Yeah. So that's when we brought in the lasers so that we could do our own acrylics. Cause if I try and get acrylic cut somewhere else, Oh my gosh, the time it would take. And I couldn't even do R and D. See, that's the other thing is these things allow us to do R and D. Yeah. Very quickly. And on small scales to see if something's going to work. Right, right. How, how do you gauge the uh, return on investment on a new piece of equipment or adding a new product line, which usually involves bringing in a new piece of equipment? Some of it's art. Some of it's straight data. Some of it's the feeling 
yeah. that you get. Yeah. Um, but it's also seeing, seeing those problems, you know, there's a problem. And I know if I solve that problem, this machine's going to, it will make it happen. And so you got to look at what you're paying. If you're outsourcing something, mm-hmm. you got to look at what the overhead to bring that new one in would be and how it's going to allow you to get to your other stuff. So a lot of times it's, it allows us to get to work on more high dollar things. So if I'm spending all this time, let's say I was getting my stuff lasered somewhere else and I need it for doing an R and D on a trade show display. I'm going to notice that that has cost me a lot of time going back and forth and talking and everything else. And I'm not able to sell or do something else. It's more, I'm going to bring more money in. So once I recognize that, then we start thinking, okay, well, what's it going to cost to buy the machine? What's the insurance going to cost? What's the electric going to cost? And then we're going to have to take all of that. And we're going to have to put that into our job costing. That is then going to move with every product through our system. So you need to be job costing on everything. Yeah. You need to be taking a percentage of the overhead. What's your material costs? What's your labor costs? I mean, if you can break it down to those three things, you can get pretty darn close on your job costing, right? Your, your overhead, your labor, and I break them out like that, and then your material costs. But then one thing that gets sometimes missed is maybe shipping. A lot of people are shipping stuff and they're not putting a handling charge on there, which actually takes you time to package and do all of this stuff. So they're losing money right there. Yeah. Well, you know, I think shipping is its own bailiwick, isn't it? You know, there's, I think there's multiple variables there as far as pricing that out, as far as doing it and so on and so forth. Um, Yeah. Yes, you're correct. And uh, I don't think most people are doing it correct. And then the other thing is you've got to watch once again, beliefs get in the way on shipping. So someone may say, well, Amazon ships are free, but so we should too. Right. But the thing is your numbers are not the same as Amazon's numbers. You got to run off of your numbers. Right. And it would not make sense for you to be doing that unless you somehow had it built into your, you know, your margins in yeah. their profit margins and you'd have to plan for it. So you're, you got to get the money somehow. Right. Yeah. So it's either going to be the cost of the product. You're going to have to go up or you have to do a shipping charge yeah. with handling. But I think shipping is one thing that slips under the radar in a lot of people because they just don't think about the time that it takes to box something. Right. So how do y'all do How do y'all do it? Do you, uh, do you itemize those out handling and shipping? Yeah, we will, we'll put a charge on top, but now, so we used to deliver everything for okay. our local customers. Right. But yeah, that's a nice service to have, but what? how valuable was it? We were delivering for free. Well, who's delivering it? Yeah. Well, if it's one of my sales team members, well, now I'm, I'm losing out on sales. So we give our customers options. Um, you can come pick it up or we can bring it, but it'll be a delivery charge. Right. Because right. we do have, you have to value yourself. Yes. Yeah. You know? And we value our team. So we want to put them on the maximize, maximizing where they're working. That's going to maximize the the value to the company. So yeah, so we charge for if we're going to deliver. Uh, we're you know Amazon's got trillions of dollars <laughs> that they've invested in their system. So mm-hmm. why would I compete against them? So it's just really communicating, yeah, and uh, educating. Yeah, and it sounds like being upfront with them uh, as opposed to beating around the bush is telling them exactly what it is, right? 
Yeah, that's it. Okay. And you found that that transparency is the best way to go with customers. And it sounds like with your employees too. Yep. Always. Okay. Well, you know what the music means. I do. (laughs) Well, now you do, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I want to thank you again for coming uh, back with us for a second part on this and uh, hope to talk to you more and see more of you in the future. Thank you, Reagan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. And thanks again to our guest, John Tarn. You can find John's company, Extreme Marketing, at extreme-market.com. That's X-T-R-E-M-E-Market.com. And make sure you stay connected to the graphics community at graphics-pro.com. For regional events dedicated to your business, go to graphics-pro-expo.com. A lot of hyphens, but there it is. You can find this podcast at your favorite platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. And you can browse the archives at graphics-pro.com. There's that hyphen again. Thanks for listening, and until next time, adios, amigos.